Right, morning everybody. Uh, Thursday, the 10th of February. Chris, you were doing the ABC this morning. Uh, can you give us the overnight wrap? Certainly can. The Dow was up 305 points last night. The S&P 500 a bit better, up 1.5%. NASDAQ was the outperformer, however. The reason for that, we saw the bond yields easing a little bit. They did top out at 1.96%, uh, which was a multi-year record earlier in the week, but pulled back to around 1.94% overnight. And that provided a bit of a reprieve, particularly for tech stocks, which we know bear the brunt of that yield pressure. There was some Fed speak overnight. Uh, Atlanta Fed President Bostic saying that they expect to see three quarter point rate increases in 2022 and to reduce the size of the balance sheet. But there was pushback against this idea recently that there will be a 50 basis point hike in March. And that was from uh, another Fed president, the Cleveland Fed president. Outside of that, uh, we had strong earnings in the US. Disney was up strong after the bell, more than 8%. Uber, Mattel, Chipotle, Chipotle also faring quite well with better than expected results. So just uh, pivoting, pivoting to the Australian market, you know, everyone got wound up about the sell-off that we saw in January. The market was down nearly 10%. We have bounced 500, more than 500 points now from the lows uh, with the 60 points that the market is up this morning. And it has been on the back of strong earnings in not just the US, but Australia as well. Looking at NAB's results this morning, their Q1 cash earnings were 1.8 billion. Their NIMS were down five basis points. That was better than what we saw from Westpac and CBA, I believe that they were eight basis points. Stock up more than 3% this morning. AGL also uh, up strongly this morning, 1.2%. Their profit rebounds, although they did slash their dividend, uh, Mervac Group, Northern Star and Origin, a couple of other companies this morning that uh, have had results that are faring well. So all in all, a pretty good session so far. Yep. And this dead cat bounce is looking more like a live cat bounce at this point, isn't it? At 500 points, yeah, I think it's a little bit more than a dead cat. Yep. Right. And everybody, I think, is relaxing. You can tell it on the emails. Uh, I'm not sure that I would be overly confident, as I've written in the weekend newsletter. I still think this market's going to be a grind this year in the face of rising interest rates and no money printing and an inflation risk. This results season is going to be interesting. But the results season so far, these banks have been really good. Yeah, I mean, they have been. Five yeah. percent rise in the CBA on a set of results after a fairly big fall. People are obviously buying for the dividend. Yeah. Anyway, all good. Tom, what's going on today? So Chris already touched on a bit of that, but another big day of results, if I thought I was drowning in it yesterday, I'm really struggling today. Thursdays typically are the biggest day, but and there's nothing really of interest on the economic front. Um, just as an extra, NAB, AMP, Downer, AGL, Northern Star, Mervac, Simic, all reporting. As Chris touched on, uh, the ASX, Downer, and Simic are the only stock with a soft open. The others are all up early on their reports. NAB, cash earnings higher. Morgan Stanley had expected a four basis point drop. And Chris, I think you said it was about five. Mm -hmm. So uh, a little bit worse than what Morgan Stanley had thought, but not really seeming to have much of an influence on the price. Improving customer satisfaction and market share gains, solid achievements there. I'd read that NAB had actually been losing market share for the last two years. So to see an improvement there is encouraging for them. AMP up on results, underlying results, which exclude some one-off 
one-offs looking okay. And they also confirmed media reports about interest in its AMP capital business. Down and down around 7%, supply chain and labor pressures and work volumes presenting risk in the second half for them. Mervec had similar concerns. So the market lot not really enjoying that commentary. Magellan Financial Group has officially dropped out of the MSCI Australia Index, replaced by Mineral Resources. But Magellan actually having a couple of good days on the trot. I think it was up yesterday and today it looks like it's improving as well. Uh, we got a, an email on that, didn't we, Henry? You wrote it up the other day. Uh, yeah, some uh, some of our members have recently bought it near the low. You have to ask, is that the bottom? I noted the last time Magellan was under $17 was 2014. And at that point in time, they had total farm of around $35 billion, And they're now still sitting at 90-ish. So there's a lot of negative sentiment built in there. Or there was an extraordinary amount back in 2014. But it's a good question to be asking, I think. Yeah, Tom? A couple more things in the news. Australia is set to officially end its QE program today. And uh, that ran the uh, RBA's balance sheet to about $650 billion. So that's stopping today. And a question for the group. There's about 23 companies in the ASX 200 that have reported half-year earnings. On average, do you think profit was higher or lower over the year? It depends whether it's dominated by one particular company or not. I will say higher. I would say higher as well because of the CBA, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was higher. Apparently up 81%. So pretty good. Yeah, it should be, I suppose, pandemic year versus... Last year was a pretty crap year. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Good. Thanks very much. Uh, Leighton, what are the brokers saying to me? This morning I've got CBA and computer share that I was looking at. So CBA was up 5.6% yesterday on results. The brokers aren't too happy. There's a lot of underperforms and sales that I can see in there. I just say on CBA, there are always a lot of underperforms and sales. It always commands a PE premium. And the brokers seem to just not take account of that at all. They always see it expensive relative to NAB, ANZ. Uh, They always see it as expensive relative to those. And consequently, their target prices are lower and their recommendations are always wrong. And then the share price outperforms all the other banks. So I don't think the bank that the brokers have given us a good lead on CBA ever. But anyway, I'm not surprised to see their target prices below what the current share price is. Yeah, the target price is 9% below the current share price. Still some more updates that we're waiting on there. there. We've also got computer share that had their really good results come through. Chris, you'll be happy about that one. Why is Chris happy about that one? He's got it in his portfolio, doesn't he? Trading idea. It's up quite nicely. Yeah, it was up 11% yesterday, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, nice. Commentary this morning is really positive. A lot of comments about how the current economic climate is really suiting them and the average target price is 13.9% above the current share price. So looking good there. Ripper. Uh, good, thanks very much. Uh, Henry, what have we got in Henry's take today? Um, just just uh, following on from Ben's comment, I've got to say on Magellan back in 2014, the life was very different for Magellan, uh, just as a bit of a point. ETFs hadn't really uh, taken hold, so uh, that's something to bear in mind. In Henry's take today, a few additions to the portfolio, some going well, some I missed. Uh, Baylor Door BTI was one that I was keen on at 125. It has spurted higher, unfortunately, so uh, I'll let that one go through. It's now 140 in a couple of days, which is annoying. Got a few emails from people happy with Playside, which we recommended, up 14% today, so that's doing quite well. 
And big uh, piece today about BHP and should we be concerned about the rumblings yesterday from the Chinese authorities on the iron ore price. Been down this road before when iron ore got to 220 uh, and it then fell to $80 uh, and has rallied back to 150 But should we be concerned? Interestingly, BHP has underperformed the market in the last few days. But as one uh, expert broker pointed out, they are going to be showering the investment community with dividends and largesse when they report. And I also got an invite to the briefing, which is kind of nice. Um, and also uh, just a few other things in uh, Henry's take today. Uh, save the date is probably the most important thing. I have organized a uh, Sydney meeting for Meet the Analyst that have asked the analyst. You can actually uh, come and chat to me at a venue which will be revealed in the next few days with an invite to members. So 16th of March, 6.30, uh, close to the CBD. be an interesting to see if I'm on my own or whether there's other people there as well. We'll see. Uh, we And you're going to have, I believe, badges, Henry, which say, I'm with Marcus. So we're yeah. looking... We're we're looking, we're looking for a picture of Henry with lots of people surrounding him with I'm with Marcus badges or Henry on his own on the balcony at the sunset drinking a beer with a badge on saying I'm with Marcus whilst Marcus is on be... motorcycle tour in the outback. <laughs> I think it's going to be me on the Todd. No, it won't. It'll be very interesting. We're, we're, uh, whether, whether you get 20 people or 150 people. Uh, well, I wouldn't be surprised way. if you got 150, to be honest, Henry. They'll probably well, put the pack the place room, out. The room holds 30. First investor. Get there early. It's in a pub, quite a well-known pub. So uh, it's upstairs in what they call their boardroom. So uh, if it is 150, we can spill over and take over the pub. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, well done, Henry. And uh, Marcus, what is Mark? No, Christopher, sorry. Uh, what have we got in technical chat today? New segment today. I've been promising this for a while. This came out of the feedback that members gave me last year about what they would like to see in my section. It's uh, Theme Thursday, like I said. But basically, I have a look at some hot themes in the market, no more than about three or four at any one time, and look at the best charts within those themes. So I'm starting today with energy. I know I've been prattling on about energy for a while. I've said before it does well in a high inflation environment. So the macro looks good. And I've done Ampol as the chart of the day. That's a little teaser. There'll be a few more charts coming in that theme Thursday section in the energy space. So like I said, really happy to get that off the ground. Members have been asking for it. Hopefully it's a winner uh, just identifying those hot themes in the market at any particular point in time. Thank you. Right. Marcus, what's Marcus writing about today? I am doing part two of this misleading chart theory. If you have a look at the newsletter yesterday, uh, you'll see I was talking about whenever a company has a share issue, the price history is adjusted and the ASX is clearly adjusting price histories in a rather willy-nilly manner, which does not reflect the value of a company. And it sort of invalidates a share price chart history going backwards. Every time a company has a share issue, the value of the company goes up, but the share price doesn't reflect that. Mm -hmm. And the net result, and it's become apparent because Richard was picking up on Flight Center and Webjet and the other travel, uh, Richard's one of our members who pointed this out, and the other travel stocks that had massive issues in the last couple of years over the pandemic. Consequently, uh, the share price of Flight Center uh, is at a level uh, which is actually half 
of what the market cap would suggest. So the share price looks like the stock has underperformed terribly since the pandemic. But actually, if you look at the value of the company, it's uh, increased enormously. So uh, the share price is understating the value of Flight Center by half. Ooh Media, someone else picked up on this one. That's three times understated relative to its share price chart. And Katmandu, uh, that is less than half of the, or rather, uh, the market cap is double what the share price would suggest. And then we go back over longer periods, you suddenly realize it's not just a pandemic thing, it's every share issue any company's ever had, creating inaccuracies in the share price chart history. So you can go back longer. And I have to tell you, if you look at Webjet over 10 years, it's actually worth three times as much as the share price would imply. And if you look at Webjet since it was listed, it's actually 60 times bigger than the share <laughs> price would imply. So now you can go and do that for every company. And particularly companies that have had prolific share issues. So if you look at Afterpay before it became SQ2, because the share price history has conveniently disappeared off the every database. But if you look at Afterpay, Afterpay is double or before it became SQ2 was double the size the share price would imply. But Zip is four times the size that its share price would imply. It, you can go back even further for bigger stocks, and I just ended up getting lost. There are so <laughs> many examples. But of companies that prolifically have share issues, that includes everything. It could be a rights issue, a DRP issue, and someone like uh, the banks have just progressively had dividend reinvestment plans constantly issuing shares. And it turns out that if you go back to 1990, the CBA is worth 6.8 times more than the share price would suggest compared to the price in 1990. So what this tells you, there are a few conclusions from this, is that share price charts are not the messiah. They're just very naughty representations <laughs> of the value of the company. Uh, and, you know, you, you could term charts as misleading. And uh, the more a company issues shares, the more misleading it becomes. Uh, share prices don't reflect the value of a company over time. Share price history adjustments are a fudge that invalidates performance analysis. So fund managers have a real job trying to work out whether they've outperformed or underperformed because the share price history isn't a true reflection of the value of their holding because the value of their holdings reflecting the market value, not the share price history. But you're using share price history to uh, look at performance. So using technical analysis as well over any period where a company's had a share issue uh, loses its integrity. So technical analysis would still work, but only over a short period without a large share issue included. Thank you, Marcus, for just ruling a line through my entire section of the newsletter. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, but you can see short term, no, it's fine. But when there's a big share issue, I remember Alan Hull was it at the AIA uh, sitting on a stage with Roger Montgomery having an argument about whether technical analysis or fundamental analysis was better. And I do remember Roger absolutely decking him with some dismissive comment about they're just lines on a chart because he had gone back, he had he, he's, uh, Alan started making conclusions about where the all ordinaries would be based on its 50-year price history. So having having heard Roger just say, that's that's your lines on a chart, I'm not going to invest on that, the integrity of that. But after this analysis, you sort of realize you go back over a long period of time and an index captures every single share issue of every company and becomes extremely inaccurate as a benchmark for performance of a fund manager because 
it's not reflecting the market value of those companies. It's reflecting the share price histories of those companies. So it's an important point. So doing attrition as a fund manager on any uh, stock is riddled now with difficulties and inaccuracies. So what do you do about it? If you're a retail investor, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, the price histories are the price histories produced by the ASX. And even some of the pricing services like Paratech, they adjust in the same way, but some of them don't. You've constantly heard about the Com Comsec has got a share price when a company goes X or rights issue, Comsec will have a share price, which is up 10% when our systems show unchanged because they haven't adjusted the price history on the on the day. So there are all it depends who your provider is as how accurate or inaccurate it is. But there is nothing you can do about it. Fund managers need to take it into account and can maybe use it as an excuse for underperforming or outperforming because the market capitalization is not reflected in the share price and the holdings that they hold are reflecting market value, not share price. But anyway, for retail investors, I think you just have to be, be aware, which is where we came from or started from with Richard, that drawing conclusions from charts about where a share price could go based on its history might be utterly flawed if you're comparing a price before an issue to a price after. An issue. In other words, you can't say Flight Center could double from 20 bucks back to its pre pandemic price of 43 bucks because its pre pandemic price of 43 bucks is not the market value, does not reflect the market value. Whoa, Dare I ask yes, sir. about buybacks? Same principle? Are oh, they? Question without notice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I haven't thought about that. Well, maybe yes, so. that changes obviously maybe the market cap as well. Yeah. So maybe so. I did yeah. notice it. I went back on BHP yep. 25 years and the share price was pretty much bang in line with the market cap. Yeah. So it's only some companies that regularly have share issues yeah. that have created this. Well, all, all those uh, high growth PE names that are and high PE names that are constantly raising capital, they're, uh, they're the ones that are likely doing it frequently and uh, the distortions you're talking about are more prevalent, yeah. And when you look into those companies, um, there'd be a big difference between the ones that are raising capital like the flight centers and web jets to avoid going bankrupt or to pay off yeah. disaster payments or you know, tax requirements versus companies that are trying to raise capital to expand and acquire things and grow your stake. Sorry, Henry. It, it's, it's one of the big red flags that Andrew Wilder and I talk about on the call on Ausbiz a lot is the amount of shares on issue. And when you start getting into the billions, you know that this company is a serial raiser and uh, yeah. that does uh, put up a few red flags. That's always a good good way, especially in the smaller caps. If they just got billions and billions of shares on issue, you know you've got a problem. Yeah, and one of the things that a number of people have responded about is the price history adjustment attributes, say that you're raising new shares at a dollar when the share price is a dollar fifty. It attributes a dollar's worth of value to each share in the price history and calculating the theoretical X rights price. So it's attributing a dollar's worth of value. But in the case of the travel companies, that dollar was just blown keeping the lights on, the mm. people paid without any return on equity at all. So in fact, that money disappeared, but the price history in perpetuity is attributing a dollar's worth of value to it because it raised a dollar, but it was just spent. Yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's been a really interesting thing. I think at the end of the day, we, we'll just move on uh, from here, but it is an interesting piece of education for everybody, I think. Right, question of the day. Name one sector that is going to do well this year and one sector that is going to do badly or one theme that will do well, one theme that will do badly. Let's start with Tom. One 
one sector that I believe will do quite well is the energy sector and a, a sector that's going to do poorly, consumer discretionary. Right. Thank you very much. Ben? I'll go uh, healthcare well, consumer discretionary poorly. Must have read my mind. Healthcare, I'll, I'll pick another one. Materials I think will do well and poorly will be tech. Henry? Um, one sector I think will do badly is uh, travel. I don't think it's going to come quite as quickly. And energy is the obvious one, but I think that's probably a little bit too obvious. I think materials are still going to do very well. Right. And I was going to go travel as well. I think if you look at what this border opening is going to make a big difference and it really is on the same theme of COVID's over. So I think travel has got to recover at some point. So you're going against Henry? Yeah, Henry was head to head. No, no for oh, he was saying no for travel. Okay, I think travel will do okay. Oh, that's I think this, is, this could be the start <laughs> of the great debate. It could <laughs> be. I just think Qantas is a, a too big to fail and in a hole and will come out of it quietly. Did you look at market value versus share price on Qantas? Was that quite distorted? Yes, I did. I can't remember what it said. I'll have a look. And the sector I think will do poorly, I think the theme this year is going to be rising interest rates. So I think trying to grow your money in infrastructure, stocks, uh, utilities, going to be REITs, going to be tough. So I think they are swimming against the tide. So interest rate sensitive sectors probably not do terribly well. Right, good. Uh, That's about that. Right, as I leave you, market has been up 68, it's up 38 at the moment, NAB up 3% or so. The interesting point today is, as the overnight stuff said, interest rates appear to have come off a little bit, technology bounced. You've got things like SQ2, the old afterpay up, something like 7, 8, 9% this morning. So technology coming back today. Right, good. Have a good day, everybody. See you tomorrow. Well done, everybody.